Blog Talk Radio. to behave 
in a way that has the greatest chance of having a good outcome based what we feel and how we react to certain situations on past experiences. But here's the thing. You can have personal experience and you can have secondary experience. The personal experience are the things that you experience personally. It can be like if you had a parent and that parent had had gotten caught up in a storm and it was lightning and they, they were very fearful that, that something could happen to them, then it's a very real fear for them and it's something that they react to in the same way whenever a storm comes up whether they're not in the same situation or not. And they can, in essence, pass that fear on to someone else just simply by the way they react to it. Now, if someone loses someone because of an experience like that, then it's going to have an effect on them, but it's also a secondary uh, effect because if they did not go through it personally. What they went through personally was the loss, and that's a very different feeling. But what happens is that whenever something similar goes on, it, it can trigger that personal experience, but it's also a secondary because they're reacting to something that has nothing related to the actual cause itself. There are three levels of what I'm talking about. Level one, the lowest level, is living in your mind, where your mind is automatically and unconsciously creating a hallucination that you believe to be a reality. At this level, you are unconscious about how your mind creates what happens. This is where most people are. Level two. The second level is the one where you're still creating a hallucination, but at least it's the hallucination that you intend to create. You may or may not realize that it's a hallucination because you aren't yet aware of the third level. Level three is the third level you're not taking the internal map created by the mind to be a reality. And you realize that this map in faith pretending that there are separate things and separate events, that there is a separate that you do not react to the things of other separate things. And the Third level, see the creations of the mind, of what they really are, conceptual rather than real. Okay, so let's discuss some of the things that we just talked about, the three different levels. Well, one thing, the level one is unconscious because you're not really aware of what you're doing. You're just reacting to it. The secondary level is where you're beginning to be aware of what your, your mind is creating, 
but you're not yet willing to change it or recognize it for what it is. And the third level is that you're actually aware that what is your reality and what happened to someone else are two different things, and you learn to better cope with the situation so that you have a healthy reaction to different things. Now, what we're going to do is talk about level one, level two, and level three. And we're going to talk about them in a way to help you understand it. And level one responsibility, when you let your mind run on automatic, it creates exactly what it has set out and up to create. By your past experiences, you feel like a victim. Life seems to happen to you. Your feelings just happen to you, and your behaviors seem to just happen, and your results seem to just happen. That means that the creative process is going on under the surface, outside of your awareness. And since you can't see it, it seems as if what is going on around you causes what is happening. Blame. The important side issue of level one responsibility is that people confuse responsibility with blame. I say you're responsible for what is happening to you. Some people translate that as you are to blame for what is happening to you. Blame belongs to the world of black and white, right and wrong, me and not me. People who are concerned about not being blamed almost always have been abused or traumatized in some way. They feel like victims, and they want someone to blame, and they certainly don't want to be them. Because of this abuse, they strongly focus on what they do not want. And one of the things that they do not want is to be blamed, to be wrong. Responsibility. Begin by accepting this main premise. You are responsible for the feelings and behaviors that you have, even if you cannot directly see how you are creating them. Most feelings and behaviors are conditioned responses, and your internal map of reality unconsciously tells you to feel or behave in a certain manner when you're situated in a certain way. Perhaps when your father yelled at you as a child, you felt afraid and angry. Once this behavior has been set up, as a conditioned response, like Pavlov's dogs celebrating when they heard the bell, announcing dinner. Someone yelling at you will cause you to become afraid and then angry. And then you'll react in a certain precaution way. It seems that as if these emotions are caused by the yelling. They are not. They are triggered by yelling, but they are caused 
by the conditioned response set up by your past in your internal map of reality. Change the cost of your internal reality that created the response, and you have a completely different feeling, followed by a completely different behavior. Cause versus trigger. What is the difference between a cause that leads to a response or a trigger? that leads to a response. There is more than one possible response. It's different. People respond in different ways to the same stimulus. The stimulus is a trigger. If there is only one possible response, the stimulus is the cause. Pouring water over your head makes your head wet. The water causes the wetness. Everyone who has the water poured over his or her head will get yelling at someone could cause anger, laughter, disinterest, puzzlement, fear, or any number of other reactions. Yelling is a trigger, not a cause. Even though yelling may result in some sort of uninvited feeling, just knowing that it's triggering your response is a start in taking responsibility for what is happening. Now, we've been talking about cause and effect and what's the trigger that creates the situation. Let's go back to my example of the storm. For one thing, that the, the storm is the trigger for the secondary behavior because it was a trigger for the person who initially experienced it. Because what it is to the person who's secondary is it's a learned response. Now, if we're going to talk about anger and yelling, and, and this is something that parents don't even realize they're doing, that when you're treating a young child at a, that really has no concept of, uh, in, in maturation and you start yelling at them and it triggers a fear in them, then that trigger, that yelling is something that's going to trigger that fear in them even as they get older. So the best way to deal with a young child is to sit them down and, and talk to them and help them understand that it's their behavior that has angered you and not them, because it can also make them feel as though they're unloved. And if they are unloved, then they're going to have very low self-esteem. And if they have very low self-esteem, what is that going to trigger? So we, we don't always realize that the things that we do to young children affect them as adults. The idea is that you have to treat your children as though they're your peers, but also talk to them on their level. Help them understand why you, you have this problem with them. Help them to begin to 
reason. It's understanding. This is why I think that parents should understand what age level a child is, how much they understand at that level, and as they grow. Because when someone becomes a teenager, then you can actually talk to them as though they're an adult. But always remember, you want to treat you that if you mistreat a child when they're younger, they're going to act out as teenagers. They're going to do certain behaviors that you don't want them to do because this is their way of rebelling against you for what you did to them as a child. I can remember many, many years ago that my grandmother always, she was very negative. She treated her children that way. She was always telling them and and, and, and going behind their back and making remarks about them to the other kids. And that what she was doing was, in essence, creating that jealousy. Well, I noticed when I was a child, my mother doing the same thing. And it didn't mean that I was not going to react to my mother in the way that I did. But as a child, she had a habit of of telling me she'd do things that she never had any intention of doing just to get me to do what she wanted me to do at that point. Well, eventually I began to, to realize what she was doing to me, and I was not going along with her program. And then to prove to me that she had the control and not me, that she was not going to, in essence, help me in any way to be independent. Because in her mind, just because I have a disability, I was helpless. And I should never be independent. And if I was going to choose to do what I wanted to do, then she was not going to help me. Well, the sad part was we had no relationship because if I allowed myself to accept what she was telling me, then she would constantly be letting me know what a failure I was and how I was worthless. And I knew that that behavior, that what she was doing to me was totally negative and totally detrimental to my own mental health. And I decided early on to have no relationship with her unless I had to. Now, level two is responsibility. You can move from level one to level two so that what happens to you is a choice rather than automatic response. You have to take responsibility for what you create and acknowledge the states that you experience. This way, you experience what happens around you and deepens on what you do inside your head. Your goal is to choose your response to each other. Choose what is most resourceful to you, what makes you happiest, most peaceful, and most successful. As long as you and your response are automatic, you are at the whim of events and people around you. It is only when you acknowledge that every feeling and every behavior is coming from you 
that you will make progress toward this goal, choosing how to feel and the state that you're in and how you behave in the most resourceful way possible are major components of freedom. This is a goal very worth working towards. Holistic meditation technology can be the best shortcut to becoming increasingly conscious as you use <coughs> this sound wave technology, your conscious awareness increases so you know what you are doing and why you're doing it. And level two is where you're actually becoming aware of what's going on around you. And you're beginning to take more and more control over your life. And you're actually seeing what other people are doing to you and understanding that you have to draw a line. And if they cross it, you let them know that what you will be doing in response to that behavior, that you are beginning to take more and more control over your life. And you're not going to allow yourself to continually remain the victim so they can feel better about themselves. Victimhood. Our culture has popularized victimhood over the past several decades. No one is responsible for anything that happens to them. They are an underlying belief that taking responsibility would be one rush, difficult, a struggle, or just too much work. The truth is, without exception, being a victim and being responsible for everything that happens, for every feeling and behavior, is the easy way to live because it's the way to happiness, inner peace, and productive life. This is it. Once you take control over your life, then you are not allowing others to make you the victim. And in doing so, you're going to have more inner peace and be happier in who you are, and you will also learn to respect yourself. It is the surefire way to end all the dramas in your life. When you take responsibility for the fact that you can operate your internal processing and the way that you want and create nearly any outcome that you want, you gain control over your life. Level three, responsibility. In order to take responsibility for what you create, you have to start with the premise that there is a separate you who creates your reality. And ultimately, that isn't true. The separate you is a hallucination created by the mind, which chops things up into separate things and separate events, including the idea of a separate you when you are responsible at this level. You step out of the world of the mind. And that's a very powerful place to be. The thing to realize is that there is no separate you who is doing the spiritual practice. 
The universe is doing the practice through you. Meditation calms the mind so it isn't running all over the place. It allows you to see how your mind is creating the illusion of a separate self along with creating all the other internal states and external results that seem to happen to the fictitious separate you. Meditation turns down the volume of the feeling of separation and creates increased awareness. The reason that awakens the person is so powerful that it or he or she doesn't buy into the idea that they're a separate self. They know that the universe is the doer, not them. The wave on the ocean is not separate from the ocean. It rises up for a while and then disappears back into the ocean. The ocean is doing the wave. The 13th century Persian poet and Sufi mystic Rumi explains it this way. You are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. You can more separate a drop from the wave or the wave from the ocean than you can separate yourself, all that that is. And you are not separate from your truest self. You never can be. And here's the thing to think about that we don't always recognize, that our mind controls our, or the thoughts control our mind. And when you recognize the difference in your mind and your thoughts and where they come from, and when someone is mentally ill or has certain personal issues that, that they can't separate the two, well, then what's really happening there? Then what you're seeing is that, you know, our mind is always working and always coming up with ideas and always creating things. And they can either affect us to the point that they keep us from setting goals and working on those goals, or we can take control, we can recognize what's going on, in our thoughts, and then take them and actually put them in place where they're they're working for us. That when you look at a goal, you have to break it down into specific ideas, specific processes. And when you do that, then you're able to create and do the other things in your life. It's always a situation where Are you controlling your thoughts and are you recognizing how the the environment and the nature and nurture all work together to create who you are? Or is there a disconnect there where what you're doing is seeing one thing and thinking something else and not quite sure what's going on? And then... If something happens to someone, if you have a thought or you made a statement to someone, I hope you die, and then they turn around and something happens to them 
or they get in an accident and they die somewhere along the way. Instead of separating the two, you've let yourself begin to believe that you have control over what happened to that person. Well, that's a disconnect. And when you don't understand what the disconnect is, then that's where the cause and the trigger come into play. So recognizing and, and going from level one to level two to level three and actually being able to, to see and control because there are things that you can control in your life and there's certain things that you can't control in your life. So when you recognize the difference and work with both of them, then you're going to be able to live a healthier life and have better relationships with the people in your life. Everything works together to play together and your recognition of all of these things can help you. And as a life coach, what I can do is sit down with you and help you look back at all the experiences you've had in your life and how they affect who you are today, how they affect the way you are in business. Now, you can go to my website, and that website is the number one personalcareercoach.com, and you can sign up for both individual and group therapy or counseling.